Well, let's take our Bibles and turn over to Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one in your Bibles this morning. As we read a portion of scripture, it was actually uh, comes from the last letter that God used the Apostle Paul to write as a part of the word of God. Second Timothy, second Timothy, chapter one, we're going to begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not there, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep. That which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia... Be turned away from me, of whom, is, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me. and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. 
And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Thou knowest very well. Second Timothy chapter number 1. Do you realize, I'm sure you do by experience, that fear is crippling. Insecurity in our lives encourages all sorts of unhealthy behavior. You can see at the top of your little worksheet some of the uh, words in that graphic that all uh, have behind them insecurity. And when we face insecurity, when we experience insecurity, that insecurity will often manifest itself in all sorts of unhealthy and bizarre behavior. You know, fear and insecurity often come when your world is shaken and you lose control of your future. When you're in control of your future and you're the one that can determine what happens, that breeds security. But when all of a sudden you lose control, when your world is shaken, insecurity becomes something that we struggle with. Here's the bottom line up front. You can victoriously handle whatever God allows to come into your life. You believe that? You can victoriously handle anything God allows to come into your life. You can't control it necessarily. You can't determine what it's going to be. But you can handle it. You can handle it. And you can just not handle it by scraping by. You can handle it victoriously. We live in a fear-producing and an insecure world that is very different than the world that we older folks grew up in. You remember the day when you never locked your car door? Amen. Remember when you used to leave your keys in the car, unlocked? Hey, someone may need it. Your neighbor may need it. May need have an emergency. Leave the car unlocked. Leave the keys in it. Remember the day when you never locked your house? I mean, your house was never locked. If I walk out into the yard... To move a chair in the backyard, my wife locks the door behind me. I'm not going to be ten feet from the door, and she still locks it. I had to put, I had to put um, door locks on our house that are combination that you punch the code to get back in. In case I don't have my keys with me, I can be locked out of the house at any moment, at any time. I... Venture outside the door. You remember the day? Remember the day when you didn't have to carry all kinds of bizarre insurance products? Whoever thought of protecting yourself against identity theft? Who's going to steal me? Remember the day when boys, when people were boys or girls? And boys didn't play on girls' sports team and steal their trophies? Our Virginia government is trying to make that happen.
our liberal Virginia government is trying to change everything. We live in a different America. It's an America that is no longer, we, where it's, we can no longer assume that people's basic thought processes are based on the teachings of the Word of God. It's a very different America. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what the future holds. That breeds insecurity amongst Christian people because we don't know. And, and we continually feel the, the loss of ability to control that. We have, we have radical left groups who hate the fact that we elected our current president. And they'll do anything to thwart the will of the American people. In Virginia, in the last election, we lost everything. As conservative Christian people, we lost everything. Every level of our government is dominated by a radical left agenda right now. And the legislation that they're rolling out right now in our Virginia government, are, it leaves insecurity amongst God's people. We don't know what the future holds. And when we lose control of the future, we become insecure. When we don't know what is ahead, that breeds fear and insecurity. But it's not just it's not just politics. We see it in every realm of our culture. We even see it in the way that we as Christians think and what's important to us. Things have changed dramatically in my lifetime. And then the numbers of members and family, close family, to the members of CBC that are right now in serious health situations, undergoing serious surgeries and doctor's appointments. I was looking through the list of people in the church and upcoming things happening in their lives. And all of a sudden, you don't have any control of your future. You don't know how it's going to turn out. That breeds fear. And that breeds insecurity. A good friend of mine that has preached here in this church family, Jim Sumter, died last, Friday, last Wednesday, I think it was. His son, who, was the current, who had been the current pastor of Landmark Baptist in Richmond, Donnie, Died this last year unexpectedly. And then his dad died Wednesday. And Mrs. Sumter lost her husband and her son. Her pastor. All within a few months. And everything changed in her life. You know, when you lose control of what's in front of you, that breeds insecurity. And sometimes fear. You know, I'd never watched Fiddler on the Roof. My wife, a couple days ago, she said, she was just flipping through Amazon Prime or whatever it was. I don't know. She said, you ever watch Fiddler on the Roof? 
I have enough foggiest idea what Fiddler on the Roof is, other than I've heard the name. I've never watched it, don't know the storyline, don't know anything about it. I said, yeah, if you want to watch it, that's fine. Fiddle on the Roof. Huh. It was hard to watch the story of those Russian Jews who struggled as they lost the world they'd known for generations. Ultimately, having their homes stolen and their properties confiscated and being driven from the land that they'd lived on for generations. As the world changed and they had no control. Because they had no ability to change what was happening. They had no security. And the end of the movie, they're in a long train. Pushing their little carts, carrying their suitcases, walking away from the secure life that they'd enjoyed for generations. You know, it's hard to deal with insecurity. The fears that insecurity brings. But we live in a world where fear and insecurity is becoming more and more commonplace. And so when I turn to Second Timothy, I, I find... Information and, and encouragement in insecure days. You see, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his disciples, disciples carried the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ far and wide. People and places were evangelized. Churches were planted. They flourished. Missionaries were sent. Opposition was limited. And didn't stop the advance of the gospel across the, the Asia and into Europe. But then things began to change. Historians, at least the historian Tacitus, indicates that what was behind the change was the burning of Rome. And Nero found the Christians a scapegoat. Some dispute that historic reference and don't agree with that. But whatever it is, change came and all of a sudden, Christians became the scapegoat for everything that was wrong in the Roman culture, the Roman world. And now, to be a Christian was not just, you believe your God, I believe mine. Now, to be a Christian is, a, is an offense against the Roman government. It's illegal to be a Christian. You can't believe. You certainly can't practice what you believe. In our city, in our town, in our country. All of a sudden, Christians began to be persecuted like they'd never been persecuted up to that time. As far as the record of the New Testament, it kind of culminated with, with the murder of the two greatest leaders of the first century, Christianity. The apostle to the Jews was put to death under Nero, Peter. And then the apostle to the Gentiles was put to death under Nero, Paul. And all of a sudden, to be a Christian meant you, you didn't know what was going to happen. If they could do that to Peter, they could do that to me. If they could do that to Paul, they could do that to me. And all of a sudden, Christians, particularly Christian leaders, became very insecure. Fear became an issue to them. Their world had changed. 
and they couldn't fix it. There was nothing they could do to change what was happening around them. What do you do when insecurity and fear based on an uncertain future wraps your life? Your country has changed. It's going to be different. Your body has changed. It's going to be different. Your family has changed. It's going to be different. What do you have that enables you to handle fear and insecurity? Well, when I come to Second Timothy, I see, I see a young preacher named Timothy who has watched his world change, has watched his mentors arrested, and knows... His father in the faith is about to be executed. And Timothy doesn't know what's going to happen with him. What do you say to someone like that? When fear and insecurity has flooded your life. And so God moved on the heart of a preacher in prison in Rome named Paul, awaiting execution, said, I want you to send a letter to Timothy. He needs some help dealing with his fears and his insecurity. And so we've got 2 Timothy. What a book. What a letter for such a time as Christians in America are facing today. Our country is changing like Rome changed. Christians may bear the brunt of it. We don't know. And our lack of ability to control the future is the source when we feel insecure about our lives as Christians in America. And so when I turn to 2 Timothy, I find some things that we possess that are very important to us in being able to deal with fear and insecurity. Three possessions. Here they are. Possession number one. When we are feeling fearful and insecure, we need to understand you have great potential. You have great potential. Where you are, with what's going on around you, with an uncertain future and an inability to change it, you have great potential. When you lose control of the future and there's looming on the horizon situations and events that could drastically change life as you know it, God encourages us to focus on the reality that through whatever comes, we have great potential for a life lived for God. Timothy had potential. And Paul wanted Timothy to focus on that potential. Paul wanted Timothy to win the battle with fear and insecurity by helping him focus on his potential. You say, well, where do you see that in this text? Well, in chapter 1, 
Paul, with his warm introduction to Timothy, tells Timothy in verse number four, I really want to see you. I am mindful of thy tears. Paul knew that Timothy was having a hard time. Paul knew that Timothy was filled with insecurity and fear about his future. Paul knew that Timothy hurt for Paul. Paul knew Timothy had been crying over what Paul was facing. And Paul wanted Timothy to understand that Paul knows he is a man of tenderness who cares for other people. That's a very important possession to possess a tenderness of heart. Not a, not a could care less attitude and feeling, but a, a genuine care. Paul saw in that potential for what God would use Timothy to accomplish in an uncertain world that he was going to live in. Paul wanted Timothy to know, Timothy, I am aware of the tenderness of your heart, the tenderness of your life. You care about people. You care about situations. You care about things that others go through. I'm, I'm filled with joy, Paul said. I'm filled with joy over your potential. You are a man of tenderness. But it wasn't only tenderness of heart. Paul said in verse number five, I know that you have a pure faith in God. You're not questioning the reality of God. You're not questioning the existence of God. You're not questioning the wisdom of God. He said, you, you trace the purity of your faith down through three generations. I know of your unfeigned Faith. We don't use the word feign all that much today, unfeigned. It, it spoke of to, something that was feigned was something that was mixed, something strong and something weak mixed together, which weakened everything. Unfeigned meant pure or unmixed, so that you don't have something weak mixing into something strong, weakening what is strong. Paul was convinced that Timothy was a man who not only had a tender character for people, but he also had a relationship with God that was not mixed in with some weak philosophy or weak ideas or weak thoughts that would diminish the purity and strength of his faith. And Paul knew that that was a three-generation Thing in Paul's life, in Timothy's life. He said, I know your, I know your grandma was that way. And, and, and I know that, that, that your mom was that way. And Timothy, I'm convinced that you're that way. And I see potential in you because you have a rock solid faith in God. It's not mixed with anything that weakens it. Your faith is not shallow or hypocritical. It's the real deal. And Timothy, I think that you need to focus 
on your potential for God as a man who cares about people and has an unshakable relationship with Jesus Christ. But, but not only a tenderness and an unfeigned faith, Timothy also enjoyed a giftedness from God. Verse 6 says, I, Wherefore I, uh, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He knew, Paul knew that Timothy was a gifted man. Not only his character, not only his, his faith, but Paul knew that God had gifted Timothy. Paul traced the development of those gifts all the way back to his ordination. He mentioned it in 1 Timothy and he mentioned it in 2 Timothy. He mentioned it in 1 Timothy as the presbytery, the, the group of pastors gathered around Timothy and laid hands on him. Here in 2 Timothy, he, he speaks of himself being one of that presbytery, one of that group of pastors who laid hands on Timothy. And, and he said, Timothy, I, I remember when you were ordained. I remember when we laid hands on you. I remember, Timothy, you are a gifted man. God has gifted you for service and purpose. God intends to use you in the uncertain world in front of you. Because I know your character. I know your faith in God. And I know the giftedness of your life. That you have great potential for God. But Timothy, it's growing cold because of your fear and your insecurity. You need to stir that up. And he used the picture of a campfire whose fire had, had burned down and the, and the coals, it looked like they had all gone out and there was no flame, there was no glow, there was, it looked like it was gone. And then someone picks up a stick and walks over and they stir up and all of a sudden the glow comes and the, and the heat comes. And, and the, those coals were stirred up and a flame comes. That's the word Paul used here. Timothy, you're scared because your world's changed. Timothy, you're insecure because you, you don't have any control over tomorrow anymore. But Timothy, I want you to focus on this. You have great potential in your uncertain world because of your character. Because of your faith and because of your giftedness, you have great potential. And then there's a second, there's a second possession that, that Timothy had that he wasn't thinking about that Paul needed to remind him of. And that was that Timothy had experienced mentors in his life. That he could derive strength from. When your world changes. And when you lose control of your future. When you don't know what will happen. When you feel fear and insecurity that rob you of your peace. You need experienced mentors. He told Timothy in verse number 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus. Your world's uncertain. It's a criminal to be a Christian. You're a leader, Timothy. You're out there in the forefront, planting churches, leading churches. 
You have a bullseye on your back. You're in a prime position to follow me to the executioner block. Timothy, I'm, I'm writing to tell you, don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ in your uncertain world. How? How? How in God's dear name can I be unashamed of Jesus Christ in a world that's changed and made me a criminal because of what I believe? And so Paul told him in verse number 12, I am not ashamed. And in verse number 16, Onesiphorus was not ashamed. I like that. Timothy, you've got some mentors that have gone in front of you. They're living in the same world you're going to live in. And they weren't ashamed. In other words, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, you have some experienced mentors in your life. Use them. You have some experienced mentors in your life. Look to them. Paul says, I'm telling you not to be ashamed. And then I've given you two mentors who were not ashamed. Wow, what a practical, powerful statement. When I'm insecure and I'm afraid. I have experienced mentors who've walked this road ahead of me. And they walked it victoriously. And they can teach me how they walked it victoriously. And I can learn from them. Paul wasn't ashamed. He was, in verse number 12, For the which calls, I also suffer these things. I'm suffering, Timothy. I'm suffering what you're afraid of. I've gone through what you're afraid of. I've endured what you're afraid of. And yes, I've been arrested. And yes, I'm in prison. And yes, I will be executed. And I will be executed with my head up high. Believing that Jesus Christ is always victorious. I'm not ashamed. Timothy, I'm telling you, learn from me. Don't be ashamed. But it wasn't only Paul. There was Onesiphorus in verse number 15. You know that in Asia, that would be modern-day Turkey. In modern-day Turkey, in, in Asia in Paul's day, everyone turned against Paul. Oh, no, they, they didn't want to be one. They didn't want to, they didn't want to go through what Paul went through. They, they don't want to be arrested. Do you... Sir, you're asking me, do, do, am, am I a, a comrade, a colleague of, a, of Paul that's in jail in Rome? No, I've never met him. I, I don't know, Paul. Everyone turned against me. All over Asia, they turned against me. Let me tell you someone that didn't turn against me. Onesiphorus didn't turn against me. Not only did he not turn against me, he left Asia and he traveled all the way to Rome. And he went all over town asking, where's Paul? Where's Paul? Where's Paul? Till he finally found what prison, where I was. And he came to me. He wasn't afraid of getting arrested. He wasn't afraid of what would happen to him. He was not ashamed of the Lord and he wasn't ashamed of me. 
his prisoner. He came to me. Verse number 17. He sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And then Paul said in Timothy, you know. You know when he was back in Ephesus. You know when Onesiphorus was in Ephesus. Was used of God powerfully. And you know. Because you were there. Thou knowest very well. What was Paul doing? Paul was simply telling Timothy, Timothy, you've got some amazingly gifted mentors who have been down the road that you're traveling. I talked to Troy. Two or three times I've asked Troy. Have you talked to Roger? Why did I say to you, have you talked to Roger? Because Troy's afraid of the surgery he has in front of him. But Roger's already had the exact same surgery. I said, to you, have you talked to Roger? That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, look to people who have walked down that road and use them. To help you. Do you understand? That's what our hymns are all about. Almost every hymn we sing that has to do with trouble was written by someone who had had trouble. And God ministered to them. And they wrote their experience down. And someone put it to music. And we sing it today. And so we sing the hymns of the faith. No one understands like Jesus. There's a story behind that. When we sing the hymns of the faith, we are leaning on our mentors who've walked ahead of us. When we soak up the songs of the faith, we are soaking up the experiences of people who have walked in front of us so that we can learn how they handled what we're facing. Timothy had experienced mentors who could share their experiences and encouraged Timothy that as bad it was, it was going to get in his new world. And as dangerous as it was to Timothy's future, he could excel in what God was allowing in his life. He had great potential and he had some experienced mentors who had walked down the road in front of him. Oh, the value of music. So many of our hymns came from broken hearts. Listen to good Christian music. Listen to the hymns. Soak up the experiences of others. Use the mentors God has given to us. You know, that's the value of the book of Psalms. 
the brokenness that comes through the experiences of the people God used to record the Psalms. And back then they put it to music and they sang it the way we sing hymns today. We don't have the music, but we got the lyrics. Read the Psalms. They tell you the story of your mentors. You can live your experience through theirs. And then there's one last thing we possess. We possess priceless instruction from the Word of God. Priceless instruction. You see, the whole book of 2 Timothy was written to help Timothy through his insecurity of the change in the Roman Empire and what he was facing in his, in, in his new country that he was afraid of. And the whole book of 2 Timothy is written to, to give him the, the instruction to help him through the experience that was in front of him. And, and when you go through 2 Timothy, I, I put the outline down. You, you, can, you, can, uh, you can go through it and study it if you please. But each chapter emphasizes an instruction that's critical when fear and insecurity envelop your life. The first, the first chapter we've talked about, don't be ashamed of Jesus. The second chapter, be strong in grace. The third chapter, don't cave in. To the changed world around you. And the fourth chapter. Major on God's revealed truth. Live in those four chapters. You'll find some priceless instruction. To help people like Timothy. Whose world had changed. And he was afraid. And he was insecure. And God said to him. Don't be ashamed of me. In your new world. Be strong. In the grace given unto you. Don't cave in to your changed world. That has pitted itself against me and my principles of my truths. And then major on the word of God. The revealed truth of the Bible. May the content of the word of God be powerful in your life. Those God sent instructions to an insecure Christian who had lost control of his future and was facing a dangerous new world that could cost him his very life were a priceless blessing to him to help him deal with what was in front of him. But let me get you to turn to the last verse of this letter. Because in the last verse, this book of priceless instruction to an insecure, fearful Christian leader has an amazing statement. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be unto you. Amen. You know, the health of your spirit either empowers your life or robs you of your security. What is the health of your spirit? To a fearful, insecure Christian, God said, through the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus be with thy spirit. That's where the battle will be won or lost. 
That's where either you lose it and fall apart. Or where your life becomes a testimony of the strength and grace of God that enabled you to live in an uncertain world. The Lord Jesus be with thy spirit. I must win the battle over the state of my spirit. I must never allow pity parties. And sit in a dark room with the blinds pulled and sulk. That's the sure description of losing everything. The Lord Jesus be with thy spirit. Because the state of my spirit will determine whether I live a life of security or insecurity when my world is all changed. And so, for the sake of his spirit, Paul said, you have great potential. Focus on what you can do. Focus on your potential. You can't fix what you can't change. But you can fix your spirit. You can fix your heart. See the potential you have now with the way things are and the situation you're in and the uncertainty of the world around you. Focus on your potential. You have experienced mentors. Embrace them. Embrace their stories and their involvement in your life. Fill your heart with their music. And you have priceless instruction. So spend some time in Second Timothy. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate it on it. Savor it. It contains priceless instruction. Now let me ask you this morning. What are the situations in your life that you've lost the ability to control? Is it politics? Is it employment? Is it health? Is it family? What situation have you lost the ability to determine what it's going to be? And you can't change it. What leaves you with an unsettling lack of ability to determine what your future is? And what ways have you seen the life that you have lived changing and you don't have the ability to slow down the change? What leaves you insecure and fearful of what lies ahead? Over the last week or a little over a week, I've been thinking about the changes in America. I, every day I get stuff across my inbox. Another, another piece of legislation down at Richmond stripping away Years of hard work by Christians in this state to buoy up the strength of the Christian 
biblical morality that was incorporated into our system of law in Virginia being stripped away by a radical left agenda. I was with somebody about a week ago, a preacher friend of mine. He's not the senior pastor. He's not in the pulpit, but he's one of the pastors of the church here in Virginia. And I was talking to him. He says, you know, he says, he says the pastor preached last Sunday on insecurity and got me thinking. Uh, hmm. I went on the website and I listened to the pastor preach the sermon on insecurity. Very different message from what I've preached today, but he was burdened. He, he told the people that he's going to preach an 8 to 12 week series on insecurity. That made half the congregation insecure. <laughs> he said, now, I'm not so sure whether it's going to go 8 or 12 weeks. He says, I am sure one thing. If, if in four weeks there's only four people that show up for church, it was a four week series. got my mind thinking about what's happening in America. Got my mind thinking about what's happening in the health of so many of our church members. Got my mind thinking about this thing of insecurity. I turned over to 2 Timothy and I began to read and think about Timothy's insecure world. A song kept coming to my mind this week. It goes like this. All your anxieties. All your cares. And I, would, I won't sing it to you. I sang it in my office. Over and over and over again this week. I began to wonder. I wonder if we, I wonder if we have that in pro presenter. Last night late, I was in my office. I was putting together the worksheet for this morning and and I was singing all your anxieties, all your cares. I, I, I said, I'm going to Google this and look this up. And, and I was looking it up to get the lyrics of the full song. And, and I'm beginning to wonder again. I wonder, if, I wonder if we have this song in Pro Presenter. And, and, then, and then that made me wonder, I, I wonder what songs we're singing tomorrow. And so, thanks to our expert tech crew that enables me from home to be able to get into CBC's network, I was able to pull up the order of services for this morning. And I looked at the order of services that Debbie put together. I had no idea that as God was pointing my attention and shaping my thought processes to the subject of insecurity, that we were going to sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. No one understands like Jesus. All your anxiety, all your cares. Then the choir was going to get up and sing, I can pray. And then we were going to sing, no, no, not one. I must tell Jesus, sweetheart, prayer. I didn't know 
I listened last night multiple times to the song, All Your Anxiety, All Your Care. Somebody wrote that from experience, and they're one of my mentors. I don't know who they were. But I know when I'm insecure, I need my mentors. And so many times, they come in the form of music. I found myself singing, He Knows My Name. I I Googled it and I listened to uh, Alina Everson sing. I listened to it over and over again last night late. He knows my name. You know what? I'm dealing with something I can't control. When I feel fear and insecurity begin to creep into my heart, you know, I can survive it so long as I have a song in my heart. Little did I know where the week was going to end in my prayer and meditation and studying. Little did I know where it was going to end when Wednesday night I found ourselves in the prayer meeting devotion looking at a psalm where David bemoaned a silent God. And then in the middle of the psalm, he said, Then God heard me. And the silent God was no longer silent. And he said, I trust him. I rejoice in him. I sing. And as long as you have a song in your heart, that's what the last verse of 2 Timothy was about. The Lord be with thy spirit. As long as you have a song in your heart, you can turn insecurity into strength. Do you believe that? 